Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. Hello, Kindle. And hello, world! Can you hear me now? Because I have a new microphone. Thank you so much, Kindle. I feel like uh, a professional. You're so professional! And like, it's like an I was, early birthday present. I was, I was just a sister before, but now I'm a professional. <laughs> You're a professional sister on a show we like to call Sisters Talk Brothers International. <laughs> Yes, we're international now. We're on season two of Supernatural, as you know. And season two, episode two. Season two, episode two. And we have new artwork, you guys. And it's a great thing. Thank you so much to Humongous Candy Coffee on Tumblr. She's from Italy. Italia. It's uh, good. And, and she did such a good art for us. <laughs> God, and she's like... If she listened to this, she'll be like, no, I'm never talking to you guys again. Um, but thank you so much for the artwork. Thank you so much for the artwork. And the timing of the artwork was part of the reason of why season two was delayed. The bigger issue, issue, the bigger issue was that I was moving <laughs> across the country. And that's very stressful and super tiring. <laughs> Can you stop being, like, insulting to so many people right now? <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was super stressful and hard for me emotionally, mentally, physically. And then even once we got here, I was adjusting to altitude and shit was going on. And I, like, emotionally, mentally broke down for, like, a week. And, you know, it's really hard to do things that you even enjoy when you feel like you can't leave your bed. Oh, yeah. Moving is no joke. Like, simply the change in altitude. Because, like, a year ago, I moved from West Tennessee to East Tennessee. And, like, I live in the mountains now. And, like, the first six months of me living here, I was just, like, sick constantly. I was like, this is ridiculous. I am dying. But, no, it was just, (laughs) like, living in a new area, getting used to the air here, the pollen here, you know, the... The driving up the mountain, down the mountain, and the pressure changes. So, yeah, it, it has a big toll on you physically. And then you have the emotional... As- yeah, I understand. And you know what, Kindle? Our listeners understand. Well, I just felt bad because I had planned everything out so meticulously. But part of the problem that comes with planning things meticulously is there's always things you don't expect. And when you aren't open to things you didn't expect... It kind of sends you into a tailspin that's really hard to recover from. So I just want to apologize to our listeners for this delay. I know that consistency is critical in new uh, homemade podcasts. (laughs) Uh, But I'm here. I'm here for at least a year. (laughs) And And queer. 
and I'm totally queer, um, and so ready to fear with this episode coming up. <laughs> oh, we're man, here, we're episode. queer, we're ready to fear. <laughs> Is that just our new, like, welcome to Scissors Talk, welcome to Sisters Talk Brothers, where we are here, we're queer, and we're ready to fear. <laughs> yes. Ugh, that's a terrible, terrible tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I want it on a t-shirt. Uh, I want to give one of t-shirt. the t-shirts to our number one fan. <laughs> Ooh, Hannah. Yes. All right, now, now hear me out. I'm a listening. A simple, simple, like, razorback t-shirt. And all it says is, here, queer, fear. <laughs> yes. Here, Hashtag- period, queer, period, fear, period. Hashtag sisters talk brothers. <laughs> and then on the back, he says, hashtag sisters talk brothers. Yes! Yes! All right, please donate to our Patreon that does not exist yet, and you will get this Razorback t-shirt. <laughs> Soon. And it shall be beautiful. It shall be bueno, bueno. <laughs> sisters talk brothers international. Speaking of fear, Kindle... Yes. What are your big fears? I mean, let's just skip past all the existential fears, loneliness, dying, life purpose, blah, blah. Well, okay. Let's, let's skip past those. Those are, those are a given. Universal. Those are understood. <laughs> those are universal. When our hero international is made, the fear part will be understood to be internationally existential. <laughs> I believe we've already referenced that you're a scaredy cat, that you hate spiders. We're well aware of this. I'm the biggest scaredy cat. <laughs> I think, alright, when it comes to nightmares, I have two common tropes in my nightmares. One being spiders crawling all over my dingy dang body. <gasps> like why? Why are spiders everywhere? Who needs them? Who needs them? And then my other uh, constant nightmare is somebody's broken into my house and wants to kill me. <laughs> Why? What? I did nothing wrong. I just tried to love. Those are my big fears. And you know what? The Winchesters validated my fears in this episode because they definitely broke into somebody's house and had <laughs> their hand over a child's mouth and were shooting guns when the parents came down. Oh, yeah. Like, those parents live their worst fears. That child lived her worst fears. Some they men sh- just broke into my house and were firing guns at sweet clowns that didn't harm nobody. They shot my clown. <laughs> what are your big fears, Hannah? Um, I would, like, the one fear that I have faced the most in my yes. life is my fear of heights. And it does not matter how many times I face it, mm-hmm. it stays with me. Unless, unless I'm hiking, because like just a few weeks ago, I was climbing up a ravine, like I had climbed down it, and then I climbed up it, and it was exhausting, but at no point was I taken by my fear of heights, but like I've tightrope walked, I cried and had a panic attack, Um, I've swung off of a rope into a river, cried. Had a panic attack. Uh, jumped off a barge. <laughs> cried, cried. Had a panic attack. Had a panic attack. 
um, was spelunking in a cave, you know, had to jump down into this little ravine and climb up the other side. But before I climbed up the other side, I cried. And cried. Had a, had a panic attack. So, like... I've seen the pattern. Yeah. Like, I, I went up to the top of a lighthouse and cried and had a panic attack. <laughs> like, and, like, sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this thing because I know what will happen. And people are like, oh, you just got to face your fear. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> I can it's do so- it. I can do it. And I will. There have been times where, you know, I go and I face my fear. And what has happened? I cry. And I have a panic attack. And I'm like, I'm like, this is the dumbest shit. But if I'm hiking, if I'm like physically, you know, there's, I have to do this to get out of here. You know, mm. like if it's scenic, if it's, you know, for a fun time, you know, I'm like, nope, nope, can't do it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> if it's like life and death, if I don't do this, I am stuck here and will die here. <laughs> yeah. Then you're good. It's so funny. We went hiking this morning, actually. And my dear wife also has a fear of heights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it went pretty well, but... <laughs> There wasn't really that moment of, oh, I can, I have to keep going because if I don't keep going, I will just be stuck here. There was moments of, nope, I just can't, I can't move anymore. I just cannot go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but no, she was so brave and such a trooper and we found different uh, methods to help her cope with that fear and kind of escape the situation <laughs> that she had found herself in with all of us wanting to go hiking. And we're never, like, we didn't, like, ask her, like, oh, you have to come with us. She wanted to come, you know, thinking, oh, it'll be fine. But yeah. it wasn't fine. She's not going to do it again. But on Which the way back down. Which is perfectly valid. It's very valid. And on the way back down, I was, you know, telling her how proud I was of her. Because I can't even imagine if somebody was like, oh, hey, me and all of my friends are going to go jump into a pool of spiders for fun. Do you want to come with us? <laughs> and then having to have that conversation with myself of, it's totally rational to go want to jump into a pool of spiders. <laughs> well, like, there's, there's sometimes this sense of guilt that comes along with anxiety. Like, even even if it's something that you want to do, like, yeah, I would love to go um skydiving like skydiving sounds like god like that would be such an accomplishment such a wild ride cool experience and like if i wanted to go and all of my friends wanted to go and and i had to turn around and say no guys i'm not going because i'm scared because i'm uncomfortable like you feel this sense of guilt even speaking up you know mm-hmm. so it's good i i'm glad that you were so supportive of her and praising her for having done it at all. Like, oh, no, I'm proud of her too. Nails. She's she's super strong. Um, and I'm starting to think that maybe I do have a lot of experience of coaching people through their anxiety and panic attacks because I did once go bungee jumping, and a friend of mine who had been totally cool wanted to do it up until the point until they were like, strapped in and ready to go, started hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, like, didn't want to back out, but was 
facing the idea of I'm about to do something extremely dumb <laughs> for no reason other than adrenaline. <laughs> and it's all about, you know, saying, yeah, I recognize that. that This is a scary, stupid thing to do, and you're right to be afraid. But, you know, also understand that they wouldn't be running this business if they had people dying. Mm-hmm. You know, so you are right. safe. Follow in the instructions. You will be okay. And we'll see each other at the end of this. And they jumped, and they had a great time, and they were so happy after. I'm so proud of them. I'm so and proud I'm proud of, of your wife. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of me for facing my fear, even though I cry like a baby after every time. You still face <laughs> it. And you know what? It wouldn't be bravery if there weren't fear. Yeah, I mean, not many people can say that they've tightrope walked. I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Da, 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 da. I, I, I was on a, I was on a bungee, so I was okay. But did ugh. you sing the song, Hannah? Did you do the tightrope song as you went across? No, it was the Death March from Star Wars. You know me. <sighs> okay, that's that's certainly cooler. <laughs> Hannah, yes. Now that we are done patting ourselves on the back for, for being how so good brave. we are at being so brave. <laughs> Let's go dive into Sam's Worst Nightmare with season one. Whoa. Uh uh. Uh uh. With season two, episode two. Deuces. Everybody loves a clown. Ah, shit. We're in it now. We got the hunting speech, a look back at their hunting life, and then we rewatch basically the entirety of the last episode while the song in the background sings, Time! Over and over, accompanied by the sound of a ticking clock. It's so creepy, so effective, so beautiful. This I, I like my, the song. Like this might be my favorite recap yet. Recap. Recap. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's recap everything that's happened so far. <laughs> <laughs> let's cr- recap that episode you literally just watched. <laughs> but no, it was a good one. I'm very proud of them. Good job, editors. Good job. And then we start our episode in Medford, Wisconsin, which is a real place. And the county seat of Taylor County. Wow. Yay. And we're at a county fair. And in the deep background is an entrance to a house of mirrors or something. And that entrance is in a giant clown's open maw, just ready to rawr and eat you. Ugh. And we see all the typical carnival acts, including clowns, all up in the camera. And they're showing a girl in the crowd some of their tricks. And the parents watch on, and they're creeped by the clowns. But she enjoys it, so even though we think clowns are totally terrifying, a girl likes them, we're going to tolerate the clowns. (laughs) And when it's time to go, the girl Nora spots another clown just standing morosely on the outskirts of the fairground. She waves, and it waves back. Mm -mm. And when she... (sighs) No. (laughs) And when she tries to bring it to her mom's attention... The clown has 
disappear. I would not have waved at that clown. He is so creepy looking. Uh-uh, no, sir. I don't have a problem mm. with professional clowns in general, but creepy clowns are another thing. Not scary, per se, just creepy with their wrongness. Well, it, it's wrong in that they're just standing there, not doing anything, just watching. The other clowns are at least smiling, talking, interacting, playing games. This one's just standing there. Like, acting ridiculous, like tripping over their big shoes, and you're like, huh, what a doofus, you know, that's their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, but it gets worse, Hannah. Tell me. On the car ride home at night, Nora spots the same clown on the side of the road, in the trees, waving to her. And again, she tells her parents. But again, they don't see it. (sighs) And then later at night, she sees a shadow on her ceiling, and this girl is like, oh, what's that shadow? Let me go to my window and investigate. Mm -mm. And there in her front lawn is the clown again, waving. Mm -mm. And this fucking child, this child is excited. (laughs) She loves clowns so fucking much. (laughs) Oh Uh -uh. my gosh. She's never going to trust clowns after this for sure. But in this moment, she trusts clowns implicitly. So she goes downstairs to let it in. And as they hold hands and walk inside the house, we flash to the title shot. Supernatural. Mm -mm. Uh, No, right? Just no. How was any of that okay? None of that is okay, and, like, like, I question how her parents raised her, because I'm like, you shouldn't, you know, go to the door in the middle of the night. You shouldn't be letting strangers into your home. Like, exclude the fact that it's a clown, because, yes, that's creepy, but children like them sometimes. Um, no strangers in the house! And that makes me wonder about our creature... So we'll get to it later, but I think maybe one of his powers is, like, um... Persuasion? Like, persuasion, like, allure. He has really high charm stats. Really high charm stats. But, like, like a, like a siren song. Like, it kind of lulls the children into liking him, to accepting him, to wanting to invite him inside. Like, that. that's my theory, but I guess mm. we'll get there. We'll get right. there. I just think that nobody explained to this child ever that clowns are just humans in terrible makeup. No one explained I... to this child stranger danger. Nope. Never did. Never Ugh. did. And you know what? It came back to tear them to pieces. John is burning on a funeral pyre, our first hunter's burial, while the boys Ooh. act out their man pain. Sam wants to know what John's last words were, which were, kill Sam, and okay, but Dean won't tell him. A week later, they are at Bobby's junkyard, and Dean is working on- Oh, I definitely wrote Babby's. (laughs) (laughs) Babby's junkyard. Babby? 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 (laughs) (laughs) It's like, did he? But, Babby? (laughs) Babby? A week later, at Bobby's junkyard, Dean is working on the Impala. Sam comes out to check on Dean, and Dean's all, You're crowding me, bro. Sam doesn't like that Dean processes grief 
in a way different from his. Sam wants to talk. Dean wants to focus on a simple task. So they fight. Sam wants to chase the demon. Dean points out that they are currently at a dead end. So why can't they just chill for a minute and fix the damn car? Dean just wants his vacation. Like, him working on the car is his therapy. It's how he works through things. And And it's a very valid way to process emotions, at least until you are at a point where where you can talk about them. And fucking, let me say real quick, though, Dean, just because you don't want to talk doesn't mean Sam doesn't. I mean, he lost his dad, too. So, like, Mm -hmm. as much as it's like, hey, Dean, I don't think you're dealing with this, I see it also as a, hey, Dean, I'm not dealing with this. (laughs) yes can we talk about this because that's how sam processes he he wants to talk things out so so if this were hannah and kendall going through this it would have been kendall saying to hannah i am dealing with this but i would much rather deal with it by focusing on this and processing through this but if you want to talk i'm here to listen yeah yeah yeah, let me just word vomit more at emotionally you, mature. and you just nod and agree, and like just oh, give man, me that's some like a whole verbal relationship. <laughs> yes, at I some- still remember when you were first telling me about supernatural, and I would just smile and listen and nod, and then you and you understood. You've said like I know you don't know what I'm talking about, and you don't really care, but thank you for just listening. <laughs> yes. I was like, you know what? That that's what I'm here for. Sometimes, sometimes I just need to talk at someone. I need a sounding board, you know, like Dean does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sam's not Sam. there, and he just starts bouncing ideas off of the next closest person. <laughs> even if it's a book or a Ouija board. Hell, even if Sam can't hear him, Dean's still talking out loud. Yep. Ah. Uh. At this point, Sam finally reveals the information he came across. He's hacked John's phone and found a voicemail. Apparently, John had contact with a woman named Ellen who said she could help. So, stalker Sam has found an address. They decide to go meet her, rolling up to a place called Roadhouse in a squeaky old minivan. Dean's fragile masculinity is pained by this. And you know it's what? So My sad. fragile masculinity is pained by this also, because seeing them roll up in anything but the Impala is weird. Well, but he says at some point that he feels like a soccer mom, and... And, yeah, no, that I didn't like. No soccer mom would roll up in that in monstrosity. That. <laughs> no, no, they would not. They would roll up in, like, a mint Jeep Cherokee or something. <laughs> yeah. So, I see your misogyny, Dean, and I don't like it. Meh. No one seems to be around, so they lockpick. They break and enter. And themes! 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 (laughs) I noticed the themes! Thank you. Inside the place is empty, except for a man sleeping on the pool table. He doesn't stir when they call out to him, so they continue investigating. Suddenly, we see the barrel of a rifle enter the shot and poke Dean in his back. The camera pans, and we see Joe. They share some banter, and Dean tries to mansplain her about guns and holding people hostage, but she shuts him up by breaking his nose. I have to say, watching this show with grown-up eyes, (laughs) and with awoken eyes, I guess, Mm -hmm. Joe is so much cooler than I ever 
gave her credit credit for. for. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause like, yeah, he disarmed her. And instead of just being like, oh, you got me. She was like, I'm a fucking deck you. (laughs) I'm going to break your fucking nose and get my gun back because I knew you were going to do that. And I let you do it to disarm you. Yeah. Yup. So cool. Dean calls for help. Can't even see. Oh. Dean calls for help, but Sam is also a little busy being taken hostage. Camera pans again and we meet Ellen. Luckily, Ellen heard them call each other's names, so this miscommunication is resolved pretty quickly. And it all moved really fast and really smoothly. Mm-hmm. It was even hard in, like, the notes to try and say, oh, well, this section ends here. Because it um, all flowed really well into each other. Yes, I, 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 it made. I was so happy to see Ellen. Like, I, I love Joe, of course. Um, but <laughs> it made me so happy to see Ellen, Mama Bear. Oh, Ellen and Babby. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so while Dean tends to his owie, and here's what I want to point out. It is really awesome that the makeup department is being consistent with their injuries yes. from last episode. Because we didn't get that continuity last season. No, we but didn't. season two, we got more money. We can do some more owie makeup a little longer. And I love it. <laughs> and everybody's getting to know each other. And it's like, oh, who are you? Um, <laughs> Who the fuck are you? And the boys are shocked to learn that other people know about John's quest. Or hunting. <laughs> or hunting, period. They Have they met other hunters who weren't already dead? Um, Bobby? Bobby wasn't um, really a hunter, though. He was more of a researcher. I mean, Bobby's a hunter. Um, I don't think Pastor yeah. Caleb was a hunter. Um, wasn't it Pastor Jim? Pastor Jim. I don't think Pastor Jim was a hunter, but I think he, he did was learning. He wasn't in- a yeah. But uh, John's buddy Caleb was definitely a hunter. So they knew so, that there were some other people out there, but But that John didn't network. work with many people, so and didn't get along with many people, so they didn't meet many other hunters. So their hunting world is small. living space. living space. So anyways, John and Ellen were like family once. The boys don't let her know at this point that he's dead when, because they're like, how did they know, never know of her? So if we didn't know about her, why should she get to know that John's dead? But we sisters know that John burned bridges everywhere and never told his sons a damn thing. So we're not surprised, but the boys are surprised. And then Dean goes on to be really rude, but Ellen, bless her soul, doesn't stand for any of it, and in the process of giving Dina talking to, realizes, oh wait, John is dead, because John doesn't really delegate tasks like this. <laughs> so if his boys are here, it must mean he's dead. And she goes to offer her sympathy, but Dean is in that phase of grief where he doesn't want to be touched, especially by strangers, and he doesn't want the empty platitudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, especially by strangers who in this moment seemed that they knew his father in a way that he never did. 
and there's like this intimacy there that isn't won or earned and just feels icky and I totally What the fuck is that? Thunder. Okay, because it sounds really creepy on my end. It's like some creature from the depths is coming alive in your house. I mean, possibly. Alright, so, now that thunder has passed... I was about about to be like, Kindle? 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 I'll try and leave that in. (laughs) Uh, But now that the danger has passed, now that thunder has passed... (laughs) Um... Whatever I was saying, who cares? Sam breaks the tension of this moment by asking for help. And the women introduce them to Ash, the man with the exaggerated mullet asleep on the pool table. They insist he's a genius, but Dean isn't buying it. Oh no. So they plop John's research down in front of him with that smugness of, My dad is like the best and nobody is ever going to be better than him. To be fair... Ash is impressed, and he says he'll need exactly 51 hours in order to track this demon. I have a few things to say. Let me know what you have to say. Um, I love that he he's just like 51 hours, exactly, like that freaking genius. Um, <clears throat> but another thing I want to mention is the actor here that plays... Ash is Chad Lindbergh, and I met him many years ago, I think 2012, 2013, in uh, Dallas Con. It was a supernatural convention. Um, I asked him if he could have chosen another death for his character, what would he have chosen? And he said he would have liked to have gone down in a blaze of glory, like gunslinging. And uh, I asked him for a handshake, and he came over and gave me a hug. Aww. Because, like, I saw a lot of fans asking for hugs, and not, I, I, I don't want to harsh on any other fans, but that, that seemed kind of intrusive to me. Um, yes. So I asked for a handshake. I felt like that would have been, you know, more comfortable for people. <clears throat> and he came over and gave me a hug, and that was really sweet of him. That was really thoughtful of you, too, though. Very respectful. I raised you well. You sure did. <laughs> Love you, Mom. <laughs> I was like, Mom, what, Mom? (laughs) (laughs) No, Ash is really cool, and I'm excited to go back and watch these first few seasons again, knowing now what his fate is. Mm. Because I think knowing where everybody goes in the story is going to give me a whole new appreciation for the time they have within the story. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, because... I kind of turned my brain off and my mouth was making all those words. <laughs> it happens. You know, sometimes the brain just checks out in the middle of a talk. Yes, it does. A talk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's already been a long day. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good session. I can feel it. All right, take us, take us through the next part of the story so my brain can... Take a break. Take a relax. You sure? Yes. Okay. Ash leaves, and we get some gag-worthy male gaze shots on Joe as she walks through the bar. Sam, however, only has eyes for the case folder sitting in the back, because Sam can't help but research. Ellen lets him take a look. We cut to Dean and Joe conversating, learning that 
learning that Joe's dad was a hunter but passed away when she was a kid. Dean quickly shifts the conversation into a come on, but it's just a habit. He doesn't follow through, which starts Joe on the path of having the biggest crush on Dean, while she simultaneously shames him for being an asshole. So, my hope and my initial reading of the situation was that Dean looked at her for that long moment before he changed his mind, and it almost seemed to me as though he was deciding that she was too young slash too innocent in that moment. And while maybe he could use some physical company, she's not the person to help him or vice versa at this time. And I hope that's the maturity he's bringing to his change of mind. Um, but my fear is that the writers were like, he's just too sad. You know he's too sad when he turns down a woman. Well, I'm I'm proud of him for not pursuing her. Um, watching this episode, I did get the Im- impression that Joe is younger. She's so young. I don't know why I... I guess because, like, when I started watching this, I was, what, 18? But now I'm 26. And so, like, I see her, and I see this young girl, and... So, like, I'm agreeing with you in that maybe he did think, you know, like, at first, you know, first glance, oh, well, this is someone I can sleep with. But then on getting a closer look, be like, no, I don't want to do that to her. I don't want to. Mm. So, some interesting things about the actress. Yeah. Her name is Alona Tal. Alona Tal. And apparently, she's actually Israeli. Huh. Yeah. And I don't know exactly when they filmed this episode, but she would have been 22, 23, somewhere in there. All right. Um, holy shit. She started her career after leaving the Israel Defense Forces. What? She's so cool. She is so cool. Whoa. She recorded a song with Wyclef Jean. The song is called Party to Damascus. And she sings the chorus in Hebrew. Okay, I'm going to have to check this out. I mean, okay, she seems like a very, like, we already knew she was legit, but whoa, she's even more interesting than I would have thought for a young blonde woman on a CW show. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay, so she was at least of age as an actress in the show, but I feel like the way they write and portray her, she is very young in at least experience. Like 19, 20 yeah, you can tell that her mom has educated her in the ways of a hunter, but we see in later seasons that Ellen is super protective and guarding yeah, of keeps her, her close to, to home. a fault. Yeah. And so maybe I can hope so, in this moment smart girl that... sheltered. Thank you, sheltered. That's the word. I'm hoping that what's really happening with Dean here is that he's picking up on that. And Dean has been anything but sheltered, and he almost wants to preserve her innocence Mm -hmm. as much as he can while still respecting her agency. Uh, So that's why I think he feels that she's not a good match. Because it's not even that he's not that asshole who will bring a pizza and a six-pack and some Leonard Skinner to be like, hey, let's do this. Because we see in the future, that's still Dean. Yeah. 
That's that's still Dean's idea of a good time. He just needs a lady who's on his level like that. And that's not Joe's... Like, Joe enjoys a good beer, and she enjoys some classic rock, but that's not the come on she wants. Uh, but you can tell she's so innocent. Like, she buys that he changed his mind. Um... But I think she doesn't know how close to the mark she was with the pizza and beer and all that. Yeah. And so I think she thinks that that was Dean's version of a come on. (laughs) And you know you always want the ones that tell you no the most. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. (sighs) Oh, sweet Joe. I never, like, disliked her, but I was never, like, a huge fan, but I feel like this time around I'm seeing her critically in a whole new way and loving it. She was never a favorite of mine, but there are definitely moments that I really rooted for Joe. Mm-hmm. Great character. Badass woman. Sam calls Dean over to look at the hunt, saying he told Ellen they'd take the case. The sound of- What? <laughs> a case now? Go on. <laughs> The sound of lightning transitions. Trans- oh man! The sound of lightning transitions. No, wait. Sorry, I was really hoping the second you would say the sound of lightning or the sound of thunder, and I would have thunder on my end. <laughs> I was really hoping for something so fortuitous as that. The sound of lightning. The no, sound of lightning. <laughs> Well, if you ha- if you have there. that sun if you have that thunder like singular sing um, singled out, just add yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just drop it in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the sound of lightning transitions us to the minivan at night in a storm. Sam is giving Dean the DL. I don't like that. Sam is giving Dean the, the D- dick love. The d- fuck you. Uh, Sam is giving <laughs> Dean <laughs> the details. Sam is. Gi- <laughs> Sam is giving Dean the D on what he saw. (laughs) (laughs) Sam is giving... Just say the download. The download or the download. Sam is giving Dean the download on what we saw transpire in the intro. With the added details of the parents being ripped to pieces and the girl blaming it on a clown who could vanish in thin air. 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 Yeah. Yeah. This is a fun episode. I love you so much. (laughs) We've barely started. With the added details of the parents being ripped to pieces and the girl blaming it on a clown who could vanish in thin air. Similar murders happened at another carnival in 1981, but all three murders were in different places. The boys have learned their lessons from season one and postulate that perhaps the spirit is attached to an object and not a place. Why did it have to be clowns? Dean takes his opportunity (laughs) to tease Sam about his fear and they have a phobia off. Planes crash. And apparently clowns kill. Still, Sam's not thrilled about this case and Dean calls him on it. Why is Sam... The one who's always saying demon than normal, suddenly seeking out cases. Sam says it's to honor their dad. Because Sam's grief is of regret. But I love that you mentioned that, you know, they're smarter since season one. And I had, they're smarter already in this season. Oh, I'm so proud of them. Already saying, well, maybe it's to an object and not to a place. And, oh, maybe we need to find a specific item and salt and burn that. Yes. Look at our boys growing up, salt and burning the right things. <laughs> Ready to take over China. Um, 
And I'm very excited to talk about all these emotions these sweet boys have going on. But honestly, we have like six episodes worth of boy emotions to deal with. So <laughs> we can just breeze on past for now. And we're just going to breeze on in to a gaping clown maw. No. Yep. We're going to go into the clown mouth. No. That we saw at the top of the episode. And we're going to go into a haunted maze. Because even the carnival wants you to be afraid from clowns. Please enter into this clown's gullet and be terrified by things that will jump out at you while a creepy organ plays in the background. It's a great time. I don't... And then once you're done, you can go visit the clowns who are juggling and smiling at you. I don't like... It's not creepy. I don't, I don't like fun houses. Why don't you like fun houses? Because of how disorienting they are. <laughs> like, I know that's the point, but, like, <laughs> like most of it I'm fine with, but when you get to the tunnel that's spinning that you're supposed to walk through, man. <laughs> you just fall over I and just fall over. <laughs> and I look just like the cr- biggest dork trying to get through that fucking thing, and I'm like, no, thank you. <sighs> the trick with those... Is just to go at a sprint. I have absolutely no coordination. I'm not allowed to run because yeah, your I just first fall. step in the tube, you just. You remember that over. time, Kendall? Do you remember that time that I went jogging with you and we barely made it down the block before I fell? And you were like, "What did you trip over?" And I was like, "My foot." <laughs> I tripped over myself. Yeah, we haven't really gone running that much together. <laughs> We've done it twice. The second time you were showing me this podcast where it was like zombies were running after you. Mm-hmm. I sat that worked really I well. I sat down a lot of that walk. Run. Jog. <laughs> Lord. Hiking I like. Hiking I like. You know, you, you like work to get to your destination and you work to get back. But just to run for the hell of it? Mm, I, I mean, really at like least hiking. you had the fake zombies chasing you. Yeah, I only like hiking if there's a reward. So like a swimming we hole. reach the summit, or we reach the summit, and I get to have a beer. And then we reach the bottom, and I get to go have a pizza. <laughs> Those are my rewards today. <laughs> I like uh, hiking up into the mountains and finding like a little creek in the mountains and a little swimming hole, like tucked away somewhere. Like, do other people mm-hmm. even know about this? <laughs> like. Probably not. Anyways, so we're in this very discombobulating maze where things jump out at you and a dad and a son are going through and the dad is loving this shit. Something jumps out and he's like, whoa, that scared me. I love it. You little mannequin man, you're great. That was so good. And the kid is just far more interested in the video game. And at one point, the kid, Evan, does look up, and he sees our friend the clown just staring and waving at him. And I love this kid because the kid has the the right reaction. The kid is spooked and is like, what the fuck? And immediately goes to his dad and is like, Dad, there is a fucking creepy clown over there. Please help me. And the dad is like... Aw, son, I know it's a haunted maze, but I want you to know that clowns are always your friend. But 
terrible advice. Fast forward to later that night, Dad is sleeping with his wife when Evan wakes up to give him a very important message. Yeah, Dad, you're so right. That clown is my friend, and here he is. He wants to play. And then the dad sees that his son is holding hands with the clown in his fucking bedroom in the dead fucking night. Mm -mm. Do not (sighs) tell your kid that some strange clown at a carnival is his friend, because this is what you'll get. You listen, listeners? Don't tell your kids (laughs) that some strange clown at a carnival is their friend. If a kid is ever spooked by an adult, don't tell them that they're crazy or that they shouldn't feel that way. Say, I'm glad you have those feelings. Trust those feelings. <laughs> if you ever I'm glad you felt again, comfortable to tell me that someone made you uncomfortable. Always tell yes, me if someone you. makes you uncomfortable. And we will keep an eye out for this asshole together and make sure that they don't come anywhere near you. Do you think in the future our show will be known less for Supernatural and more for Life counseling lessons. through Supernatural? <laughs> Life lessons. <laughs> Life lessons. How to Parent 101. <laughs> yeah, this is Parenting 101. <laughs> First case in point, Dean Winchester. <laughs> ah, the minivan rolls up to the carnival where the cops are already there. Sam says inappropriate things about children and clowns. Who thing at a clown? What? Uh, before they get down to business. They are going to a- I just love I just love the long stare Dean gives him like do you even realize the words that just came out of your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. They are going to apply for jobs at the carnival so they can easily scan every single object at the carnival. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> this next section The notes for it are sparing, but there's so much that happens that it was just too hard to write down. As they are trying to find the hiring manager, Dean's foot gets lodged in his mouth as a blind man and a man with dwarfism overreact to Dean's use of the words see and little, probably just trying to have some fun with him. And Sam is loving it. Like, I do, I do see where they're, they're... They're picking on Dean. They're doing it on person purpose. They're mm-hmm. trying to make him uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I can't stand it. Like, I get that secondhand awkward, that secondhand embarrassment, and I just wanted to crawl into a hole somewhere. I just, I was laughing with Sam. <laughs> it's like, you silly, silly boy who, because they're... They're not mad at Dean, but Dean is so quickly and easily flustered and yes, uh, yes, and doesn't know what to say to backtrack or fix or anything when he should have just been like, ha ha ha, yeah, you're blind, whatevs, awesome throwing <laughs> skills, by the way, like, and rolling with it. But he gets so flustered that of course they're just going to keep going with it. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. <clears throat> Dean gets his revenge because the hiring master has two chairs, one regular and one clown. He rushes to sit in the normal seat. Sam sits, somehow managing to squirm and be still at the same time. They lie about their work history, and Mr. Cooper sees through it instantly. Cooper gives them the history of carnivals in order to demonstrate how they are too normal for this, and Sam insists that they don't want normal. Why? Why? Did I write... Hiring master. 
<laughs> I am the master of hiring. The, the hiring manager. The hiring, no, the hiring master. <laughs> this man is so fucking boss, you can't even handle it. He is the master of all hiring across the carnival land. <laughs> yes, master. Yes, master. Thank you for the raise, master. <laughs> Thank you for the job, master. I'm happy with my $10 an hour, master. <laughs> Are there benefits, master? <laughs> oh, general and dental, but no vision? Okay, thank you, master. Uh, Sam not wanting school or regular is a change from his usual speech. About, you know, once they, you know, kill this demon, he's going to go back to school and have a normal life. And now he's singing a different tune. Which is basically what I said in my next paragraph of notes. So, yeah. yeah. Outside, Dean wants to know if that was a lie or not because he doesn't want Sam to leave him. Oh. Sam says he's having second... But because of what you just said. Yeah. Sam says he's having second thoughts and now Dean's upset because he thinks Sam shouldn't honor Dad's memory by changing his whole personality. The sisters really wish they would actually say these words in order to actually communicate, but... Which they kind of do later on in the episode. Yeah, they but do. it takes them a very long time to get there. I mean, as per usual, this is the Winchesters we're yeah. talking about. Communication? Something... Ha- is that French? Something happens in episode one of the season and they don't actually talk about and resolve it until episode 20 of the season. Just in time to take down the big bad. Yeah, yeah, we know how it goes. Yeah. <sighs> well, they must have gotten the job that the hiring master was doling out. <laughs> because we see Sam picking up trash and EMFing the place. EMFing the place. EMFing. <laughs> oh, what a big EMFer. <laughs> Technically, Dean is the EMFer. Because Lisa. I mean, this scene before they show the EMF meter in his jacket, uh, like, really all I thought was it was a radio to keep in touch with all the other carnival workers. I know, what a good disguise. I'm so proud of him. So good. Him do a good job. And speaking of bravery, he's so brave when he enters into the haunted clown maze. I was very proud of him. He gets scared, but he didn't find nothing, but it gave him an idea. So he calls Dean, and Sam's like, hey, I have an idea. Maybe the remains are being used in the carnival for spooky things. And Dean is not loving the trash life, so he's happy to go run to Sam. But he's stopped by that blind man from before. The one that was teasing Dean and making him all flustered. Mm -hmm. And... The blind man was also throwing knives. It's very important. Anyways, blind man stops him because he heard the whole conversation. He's now suspicious of Dean. Skeletons? What? Dean lies to get out of this interaction. Surprise, surprise. And meets up with Sam just in time to hear a girl say... Mommy, look at the clown! For some reason, that gets their attention. And it is... Especially gets their attention when they hear her say, Oh, but it disappeared. Hmm. Clowns that disappear? 
So yeah, now that they know who the vet... It's like when the ambulance goes by the alley that they're looking in, it's like, that must be ours. And they just happen to meet up right in front of that girl who just saw a clown. <laughs> We're on the right track. must be our clown. <laughs> Man, we are so good at this investigating business. Clues just fall into our laps. It's like fate or destiny. It's supernatural. So now that they know who the next victims are, it's going to make it real easy for them to stalk this family back to their house. <laughs> there, Dean reveals that in telling the guy from earlier that they are writing a book about ghost clowns, he was able to learn that Mr. Cooper, the hiring master, also worked at the other carnival that was beset by a killer clown. Hmm. Interesting. After a long while, a light finally comes on in the house and they see the little girl walk through. She opens the door and asks the clown if he wants to come in and play. They are holding hands and walking through the hall ready to meet the parents when Dean and Sam ambush them. Dean gets off a couple of shots, but the clown doesn't disappear. It gets up and Looney Tunes out the door, shattering the glass and fading away at the same time. Um, girl, it is the middle of the night. It is the middle of the night and you are... Oh, he's going to let... All these kids. All these, all kids, these kids. All these are kids are so getting up dumb. in the middle of the night and letting strange people into their house. That, oh, that's why I think it's got to be a lure. It's got to be like a little siren thing. Mm-mm. Because are people You're really not right. re- raising their children to fear, to fear the clouds? And also, none of these parents have alarm sets or doors locked in such a way that the keys are kept away from the children's grasp. Yeah. <clears throat> the girl screaming brings her parents, who are justifiably shocked and yes. angry. So the boys <laughs> skedaddle, even going so far as to ditch the minivan, just in case they got the plates. I mean... Dean was happy for any excuse to ditch the minivan. <laughs> he really was. That squeak mobile was something else. They shot my clown. Like, oh my like as a parent, what do you even do with that? Like, these people broke into our house, and well, there were gunshots, and the kids said, they shot my clown, but they don't see a clown in- I don't know. I don't know what I would do with that as a parent. Like, they shot your clown, baby. I'm sorry. Of all the times that we've seen the boys break and enter in order to defend a family, this is, for me, at least the first time I viscerally felt how precarious that situation is and how it looks from the outside. Oh, yeah. Because from their point of view, there was no other intruder. They just see these two guys with guns holding their daughter. Yes. And that's fucking terrifying. (laughs) Like, I feel bad for the family after that. Like, they probably fucking moved. They got an alarm system. They got cameras around their house. Like, she's Good going... For them. She's, like, homeschooled now. <laughs> but, hey, they're alive. They have code words when someone's going to pick them up. <laughs> oh, it's poor family. <clears throat> As, but, hey, maybe they're better. maybe they're better for it. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe the boys did them a favor. <laughs> In addition to saving their lives. Now they're safer than they ever needed to be. (laughs) As they walk down the road, they contemplate what this clown could be. And it seems after just one season, they have exhausted all the knowledge the journal has to offer. (laughs) Isn't that so sad? There's nothing in the journal that helps them anymore. 
No help with Reapers. No help with this monster. I can't remember the next few episodes, but I don't think it's any help with those either. <laughs> They've already outpaced John in just one season. Mm-hmm. Who'd have thunk it? Sam brings up their dad and Ellen, wondering if there was ever anything there, and how it's so weird how John never got along with anybody. So Dean weird. Dean gets quiet, so Sam lays into him about not dealing with John's death, but Dean turns it around and points out that it's actually Sam that's not dealing well. Sam can't handle the truth or his guilty feelings, so he turns away to call Ellen for help with the case. Now, uh, they're both dealing and not dealing in their own ways. Yes, and we talk about that a little later as well. But I love that Dean in this moment pinpoints exactly what Sam is feeling. That Sam is only wanting to play nice with their dad because of his guilt that the last thing he said to his dad, besides, okay, I'll get you coffee, was <clears throat> in anger. And he's saying, like, don't act now like you always go along with our dad. That's not you. That's not the truth. You just feel guilty. Acknowledge that and move on with your life. Yes, but Sam is also right about Dean in that he's avoiding it. He's distracting himself with the car. He's distracting himself with a case. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, they know Dean each other. Himself with the case is not until later. Dean is just trying to process. Mm-hmm. So that he can get to a point where he can talk about things. Like, I find a lot with myself. Like, and I'll tell my wife, I'm angry or I'm upset right now, but I don't know why. So please let me just have a little space and I will come to you later and I'll explain to you later why I'm mad. I, like, I don't have the words for it right now. I don't even really understand it right now. All I know is that I'm upset. So let me go off for five minutes, do something else. And in doing that, I will, you know, you can't help but think about it. It's yeah. obviously consuming enough and then and i think that's what dean needs he just needs time alone to think and process so that he's able to come back and talk to sam and excuse me and i think we do see that in a few episodes Mm -hmm. after he's had time to fix the impala and stuff and he's had time to think about things he's able to come to sam directly and say this is exactly why i'm upset and Maybe it makes you happy hearing about it, but it doesn't make me happy talking about it because I'm fully aware that this is the fact of my life now, it's the truth of my life, that I shouldn't be alive, and there's nothing anybody can do or say to fix that. But that's a really heavy thing to come to terms with Yes. in the span of a week. (laughs) And I think Sam, in his own need to talk and heal, is pushing Dean further than Dean is capable of going right now. Agreed. (sighs) Oh, these dumb boys. (laughs) Uh, Sam gets off the phone with Ellen, and he knows everything that we need to know. So it's time to name Name that monster. Monster! So Rakshasa. 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 So Sam was correct, or Ellen was correct, in that they come from Hindu lore. They, according to legend, were born from Brahma's 
breath as he slept, and they were instantly hungry for flesh. Nom, 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 nom. So they started eating him, and Brahma yelled out, Rakshasa, which means, help me. And Vishnu came to his aid, banishing all these creatures to the earth, where they were forever known as Brahma's cry for help. Oh. They're described as ugly, with fangs and claws, and they crave flesh. They can change shape, they can vanish, and these motherfuckers can fly. Dang. I know, right? And they appear in a lot of the Hindu holy stories as helpers to evil forces. Just, I didn't find anything that I felt was Rakshasa specific enough to really bring in. Mm-hmm. So they're, they are mentioned in the stories. And if I had to equate it to anything, they would be like little like demon sprites, it's demons, demonlings, <laughs> demoness. Okay. That want to eat people. And the word Rakshasa is now used in a few languages throughout the Asian and Pacific Asian island areas. To mean things like monster, or greedy, or huge and strong, or gluttonous. So Rakshasa is actually a word in daily use in some of those languages. Now, for all you nerds out there who recognize the name Rakshasa. Rakshasa. They also appear in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yes, d and <laughs> Where they are tiger-like humanoids with backwards hands who can change their appearance at any time, and they're so evil. They're, like, from the nasty evil plane, like the demon plane of existence, but they get to live in our plane, and so you fight them and banish them to the evil planet. It was a big arc on Critical Role, is all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. So, yeah, that concludes Name That, that Monster! Rakshasa! about kids nope nothing about kids nothing about brass uh the wikipedias were very quick to point out that you can't have pure brass because brass is in itself a alloy of two different metals (laughs) so um nothing about sleeping on a bed of anything or anything i mean granted granted i was on wikipedia I mean, maybe Rakshasas, like, have their own things, you know? Like, their own unique aesthetic, you know? This one likes to sleep on bugs and trick kids, mm-hmm. you know? And to be fair, though, we never saw the bed that the clown Rakshasa slept on. Exactly. So, maybe it's not a bed of bugs. A bed of lies, maybe. <laughs> he sleeps on a bed of lies. <laughs> but yeah. A lot of that lore was off. But they got the Hindu part right. Yeah. Yay. Good job, baby. Good job. So now that they know it's not a ghostie, they think that maybe Cooper is the Rakshasa. That photo of his dad did look a lot like him. So, Rakshasa. Rakshasa. They need a brass dagger. And they need to check that their theory is correct. So they split up to do just that. 
They didn't make it clear that they were both going back to the carnival, and I was pretty confused when two seconds later I saw Dean at the carnival. And I was like, Dean, I thought you were going to, like, the flea market <laughs> to go get a brass knife. Why are you here? Now, Dean went to the blind guy because he plays with knives, so he wanted to see if he had a brass knife. Uh, Sam went to the hiring master, Cooper, to see well, if yes, he I, was I know that a rakshasa. Rakshasa. And both of those now. people were at the carnival. I know that now, but it was like the show wanted you to think, oh, they need a knife? There was a knife guy at the carnival. But knife guy wasn't throwing brass knives. I feel like that would not be a very strong knife. Please. Just saying. Sam's at the carnival after dark, and Locke picks his way into Cooper's office, while Dean goes to get a brass knife from the blind man. His name is Papazian, by the way. I think Papazian's a title? Okay. I don't know. Don't while Dean me. goes to get a brass knife from the blind man, Cooper pulls a gun on Sam as Dean finds the clown costume in blind man's trunk, who reveals that he's neither blind nor a man and goes invisible. And, like, his face went all creepy. Not cool. Not cool. I was like, ugh. Ugh. His face changed. It was very Jim Carrey. (laughs) Ugh. He smiled and, ugh. Ugh. He throws knives at Dean for fun as he runs away, bumping into Sam. No knife and an invisible rakshasa on their heels. Sam has an idea. Yay, Sam, you Yay. have an idea. Yay, Sam has an idea. They go Invisible in- Rakshasa, and you have a plan. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> they go into the haunted maze and get separated. Sam's idea was to use the pipes from the organ inside, so he's pulling one off when Dean finds him. <laughs> Ew. 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 At this moment, <laughs> knives come through the air to pin Dean to the wall. Sam's got the pipe but can't see where to put it. <laughs> oh, he's so bad at sex, Hannah. <laughs> he's just like, everything works, but where does it go? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> smart, Dean, <laughs> smart Dean floods the room with steam that was running through the organ and is able to spot the rakshasa, rakshasa, rakshasa. behind Sam. Stabs, Sam stab, uh, fucking, uh, and is able to spot the rakshasa behind Sam. Rakshasa. Sam stab, rakshasa die, and rakshasa. Dean tired. I hate fun houses. <laughs> rakshasa. So yay! Uh, Sam's better at dodging than he is at aiming. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's better at avoiding dates than following through on dates. So yay! Good job! They killed their first Rakshasa! Rakshasa! And their only Rakshasa! (laughs) They never kill one again. Ellen's pretty proud of them, so once they're back at the roadhouse, she gives them some victory beers. Yay! And, yay! We did it! We did it! Yay! We did it! We did it! Yay! (laughs) Yay! 
and they're sipping and they're feeling good and Sam smiles at Dean and he smiles at Joe and then Joe gives him that smile and with her eyeballs says fuck off Sam <laughs> so he leaves and like, she hits real on smooth Dean. Sam real fucking smooth he's like I'm just gonna go over there over there <laughs> for reasons oh, I like pool tables pool so tables good. are great <laughs> I heard they're great to sleep on very comfortable lord it just it fucking killed me <sighs> <laughs> so yeah he leaves and Joe hits on Dean so, <clears throat> so. am I gonna see you again? love it and Dean says that he's just not in the headspace for flings right now and she respects that, and we respect that, and it was just a great interaction overall. Mm-hmm. Closing out that interaction, Ash comes out to say, remember Ash with the mullet? Yes. He comes out to say that there's no sign of the demon, but hey, he's got an app for that. <laughs> Sam is super impressed. MIT. It's a school in Boston. Yes, he's so smart. Ellen offers the boys a place to stay because she's a mommy and they have a baby. But Dean needs to get back to the Impala because that's his safe place right now. Mm-hmm. So they're back in the junkyard. We're ending the episode where we began it. Beautiful symmetry. Mwah! That's a good pizza pie. And the boys are finished. Hey, it's international, Hannah. It, Come it on. is. It's international. Yep. So the boys are finishing their conversation that they started at the Impala. And Sam confesses his feelings and says, you were so right. I I was not facing up to any of this shit. And he's like, but you know what? You're not doing so good either. Drops the mic and he walks away. And here we get the famous, famous... Dean destroys baby with a crowbar scene as he lets out his grief. It hurts my heart. Mm -hmm. And as he stands there, breathless, baby ruined beside him, we cut to black. Kudos to Jared. His acting acting skills have improved since last season. Like, I was tearing up. I was tearing up. Beautiful scene. Nicely done, boys. Golf clap, golf clap. Oh, Hannah, what a good episode. What and you know what every good episode, episode has? <gasps> Themes. Themes. Ring-a-ding-ding. Ring-a-ding-ding, we got some themes. <laughs> I have a theme of case from someone else. Ah, very good. Kind of a newspaper case, but it didn't come through... Them just reading the papes. So, yeah. Sam was, like, horny for that case behind Ellen. <laughs> yeah, he was eyeing it. He's like, what's, what's that over there? What's, what what's that junk there? you got in that trunk over there? And she's like, boy, I am way too old for you. He's like, no, 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 no. Actually, that, that junk in the case, I, I see it over there. The file. Give me the file. Give the me file. the I, file. It was for somebody else. They wanted this case. No, it's mine. Give it to me. <laughs> I need! I have a mighty need! I have a mighty need! 
<laughs> I didn't have a lot of themes this episode, but that's six. okay. Um, I'm going to put these two together because I was really proud that I noticed them. Lock picking and breaking and entering. Nice. I didn't have those at they all. They got them lock picks. I had Hunter's Burial. Yeah, we had our first Hunter's Burial. Who else gets Hunter's Burials? We know Cass does. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam does. Charlie. Charlie. All right. Um. Um. The mom. Eventually. Way eventually. Bobby. Way eventually. Bobby, yeah. Lots of Hunter's Burials. I want to say Cass has more than one. <laughs> or at least they had him prepped for more than one. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's not even his real self. It's just the corporeal vessel he uses to get around. Jimmy, Jimmy had a hunter's burial. Jimmy Poor Novak. Jimmy Novak. I hope he's happy in heaven. I want to know what Jimmy Novak's heaven is. Him and his wife Lydia. You know. Okay, but like, does he still like go to accounting every day or something? Is no. Is he a door-to-door salesman in his time off? Does he like whittling and woodwork? Yeah, is he, he a does. Fisherman? He does some carpentry, and then like. Is he a knitter? A painter? They probably have a, a dream candlestick maker. Of, they probably have a dream version of Claire that uh, they have tea parties with. Ah, so cute. She never gets older. Yeah, he never gets to see what a Cause, badass woman she becomes. Because uh, Mary had little baby Sam and Dean. Little lambs. Yes, she had her little lambs Sorry. in her heaven. Yeah. Um. Emotional fights. Fights about the emotions. Oh, the emotions, the pain. I had uh, lying to each other um, when Dean lied to Sam at the very start of the episode that his dad didn't say anything else. Liar! It's not quite the first time they've lied to each other, but an omission of truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's a straight up lie, though. Daddy did say something very important. But I can see how, I can see how at a funeral, I wouldn't just turn to you and be like, oh, Hannah, by the way, mom said I had to kill you. If you couldn't save me. If I can't save you, I had to kill you. So, you know, just so you're aware, FYI. The fuck? (laughs) Um, Roadhouse. Nice. Roadhouse. Do, 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 do. I had a theme of Sam has an idea. (laughs) Dean's dying and you have a plan. Yeah, yeah, because plans are usually what gets you out of a shitty situation, Sam. At least this one didn't involve holy ground. Do you have any more themes? Nope, I'm out of themes. Do you Um, have themes? Invisible monster. Nice. And a questionable theme. I said, are carnival clothes costumes if they are employed? Like, (gasps) them wearing their carnival uh, uniforms is that a costume if they actually got the job it's not so much a costume as it is a uniform but the job itself is a pretense to hunt yeah we could count it as a costume <laughs> do you think sam was happy to have honest work for once <laughs> yes you know he picked Even up that though i'm paycheck. pretty sure they didn't stay long enough to collect the paycheck But he at least feels validated in the money they scam off credit cards because they were doing actual cleanup work for a carnival this time around. Yeah, he was actually doing his job. And not being a grouchy puss about it. He was picking up his trash like a good Samaritan. 
Mm-hmm. He's just doing his work, trying to get on by. All right, that's it for themes. Oh, then what do we do next, Hannah? Well, we gotta tell each other what we loved and what we hated. Let's go. Let's go. did you just utterly despise? I hated the kids. Like, I don't know if it was the monster's power (laughs) to, like, put a spell on them or something, but if not, these kids are fucking dumb, letting these strangers into their house in the middle of the night, trusting clowns. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah, they never really gave a great explanation for why all these kids be so dumb. So trusting. God, it makes me scared for children. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. Clown frown. Clown frown. Send it down. (laughs) Kendall, what did you hate? I hated the male gaze on Joe. Yeah. She's an absolute child. They're beautiful women. They're in a scene. But... You're playing her for an innocent person of a sen- in a sense, and you start a shot focused on her ass. Mm-hmm. And then there was another shot where they were talking at the bar, and they have her leaning back and a lot of her midriff showing, and like her midriff is kind of, I don't know, nothing against midriff, and it definitely fits with the styles of the 2005-2006 era. It was just yeah, a little too blatant and gross at points for me, for this woman who deserves attention to so many more things than just her physical assets. That's all. That's all. That's all I had to say. Hannah, tell me what you love about this episode, not just in general. I loved Ash. <laughs> he is a unique character I... that I really get a kick out of. You know, business up front, party in the back. You know, <laughs> he's great. And then he went to MIT, like, you look at this guy and, like, his, like, mannerisms, his character, and you wouldn't think, but he is, he is so freaking smart. It's like, I can get this done in, like, 51 hours exactly. Thank you. Come again. He's written, like, a stereotype character with unstereotypical skills and background. Yes. And that is fun. Yeah. Very true, very true. (laughs) True, true, magoo. I loved that in a pretty serious episode, we still got to have several lighthearted interactions that felt genuine. Um, Just last episode, Sam was saying, I felt like we were really starting to be brothers. And I felt like we saw that this episode, the whole fighting over their phobias, the Sam just laughing and not helping his brother at all when he stuck his foot in his mouth, yes. the fighting over the chairs, <laughs> the, just a lot of their interactions that were played for comedy that never felt out of place. Yeah, it, and it they lightens were, the tone of the mm-hmm. episode. And they weren't slapstick, especially big scenes, or they were li- just little moments played out to such an extent that they probably aren't even worthy of being included in Funniest plot moment. points. For our notes, but are are important for their relationship and for the tone of the show. And 
I don't know, I just really loved how naturally they worked those into the episode. It was beautiful. For an episode about clowns, I had very little to be upset about. I, I really like how they work comedy into this show because if it were just the scares, if it were just the drama, like, this show would, be, would be too hard to show. watch. It would be too hard to watch. Like, we have to have I mean, those it's... breathers. We have to have those moments of laughter. And even with all that, it can still be hard to watch. <laughs> Jeez Louise. My heart. My heart. Man, like, you're three episodes deep, and you're like, I need a break? <laughs> I just, I can't break now? Ugh. Well, we have to keep going, Hannah. We're gonna keep going. We can't stop now. Can't stop us now. So tell me what's coming up next time, Hannah. Open your eyes. Look around you. Next time on Sisters Talk Brothers, we will discuss... Supernatural Season 2, Episode 3, Bloodlust. Bloodlust. After hearing of two recent deaths and over a dozen cattle mutilations, Sam and Dean decide to check it out. They find What they find is a hunter by the name of Gordon, who is responsible for the deaths which turn out to be vampires he had been hunting for six months. Sam and Dean begin working with Gordon after saving his life, but soon find out from Ellen that Gordon is a danger to himself and everything around him. This synopsis was brought to us by Amy M. Poindexter on imdb.com. Thank you, IMDb. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. So, Gordon. Gordon! Gordon! Hate Gordon. Hate Gordon. I'm struggling to remember exactly which vampire scenario they have with Gordon right now, like how it all plays out. But man, I love the Gordon storyline. It's a great storyline. He's a fascinating character. Oh, I hate him. You are not meant to like him at all. Mm-mm. Um, what else can I remember? I remember Dean liked him. Dean was like, "Oh, my buddy." Yeah, new friend. And, then, and Sam new friend, is like we... mistrustful for some reason. Yeah. And then Super, when they find out from Ellen, apparently. Yeah. Which I had forgotten about that. So thank you, Amy, for reminding me. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> You're so good for us, Amy. All right. So I look right. forward to discussing... The blood and the Gordon. gore. Gordon! Gordon! He puts the gore in Gordon. He really does. If you would like to contact me, you can do so on Tumblr at Jailbreak Fiend or Everything Overlord. That's Mamisha Block. Oh, Misha. Or on Instagram, uh, Jailbreak Fiend, spelled the same. Um, nice. How can we contact you, Kindle? You can also find me on Tumblr at Kindle Abroad um, or on Instagram at Kindle, Kindle, Kindle. And if you'd like to reach us both, well... Let me tell you. You can find us at Sisters Top Brothers at Jamale.com. And that's it. That's no other way. Nope. You're done. You shut off. You can't talk to us no more. <laughs> so, tune in next week for More Monsters. More Brothers. Gordon! And more sisters, Jamale <laughs> International. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Oh my gosh. Just walked in the room and I just jumped out of fear. Have you seen my sandals? Oh my gosh, you just scared me so bad. No, I haven't seen your sandals, baby. I just about to do Kum Chogia. Kum Which, so I played that little segment of audio for. And she said it doesn't mean like, oh shit, I'm scared. It literally just means surprised. Oh, surprise! <laughs> so you go boo, and they go oh, come check you out. It'd be like oh, surprised. <laughs> you got me. Oh, good job. I'm surprised. <laughs> Sam doesn't like that Dean's process, and it freaking fucking damn, damn, damn. The sisters, the sisters wish. God, Hannah, just talk normally. I don't know if that was this episode, so if it wasn't this episode, cut me out. I think that is not this episode. Yeah, it's not this episode. Fuck. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Don't you worry.